Hello. Hi, everybody. Whoops. Great. On your, your seat, you will have some notes. Hopefully, you've all got a copy of uh, notes. This is uh, such a huge subject. And by the way, it's great to be with you. I always love this church here, and uh, I think you've got some really good people here in Hailsham. That's right, isn't it? How God loves Hailsham, and got his eye on you guys. This is such a huge subject, um, the whole thing of prophetic ministry, um, that I, I've written out my notes, and I won't have time to cover all of them, but I, you can read them through in your own time. What I want to do on, the first, on these three evenings, this is roughly where I'm going to go, and um, I want to, tonight, I want to give an overview and an introduction, but then I want to get all of you, each evening's going to be interactive, I want to get all of you um, hearing the voice of God tonight for yourselves. I'm going to tell you how that's going to happen. I'm going to talk through what I would say was probably the most important lesson I've ever learnt in the Christian life. Okay? And that's how to, that's how to meditate in the Word of God and hear God speak to you in that moment. Okay? And secondly, I, I want to go on the different ways in which God speaks to us, because it may be, may be different for all of us. Some it may be here clearly, sort of classically through prophetic words. Others it may be through dreams. How many of you ever have dreams of what you would say are prophetic dreams? Yeah, okay. For others it may just be a, a sudden sense of thought, and I want us to explore all of those things. And each evening is going to be interactive, so I'm going to get you doing stuff and you involved. Is that okay? Yeah. So from this moment on, we are out of control. Any, anything could happen. <laughs> so I'm going to press in. Oh, the last one I want to do um, the last time is to talk about weighing prophecy, how we actually weigh prophecy. Are we echoing a bit here? Uh, how we actually weigh the gift of prophecy and um, how we actually handle that, because that's a very, very important subject. What I want to do then, if you just... These are notes which I um, updated sort of at the end of last year. I just want to give a brief overview of the importance of the gift of prophecy. Just to look at this um, prophetic ministry, I've got here to start with, prophecy is the gift of the Holy Spirit. It does not belong to the people. The Holy Spirit gives gifts to people at his own discretion, and anyone can be used in the gift of prophecy. I'm a little bit ringing here. Um, providing that they are born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and open to move in the supernatural. Anyone here born again? Anyone filled with the Holy Spirit, hopefully? Anybody wanting to move in spiritual gifts and in the supernatural? Good, okay, so you all qualify. It's a, it's a receiving insight from God through the Holy Spirit. It's first mentioned in the Scripture where Abraham... Um, was called a prophet, and he will pray for you. You can read that in Genesis 20, verse 7. In the Old Testament, God sent prophets to his people, but in the New Testament, he wants us all to be prophetic. So in the Old Testament, there were three offices which were anointed, which were what? Prophet, priest, king. In the New Testament, we're told... When God pours out his Holy Spirit and your sons and your daughters will prophesy. 
So we can all prophesy. It's because we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit and we can, we can all hear the voice of God. We don't need a prophet to come and speak to us now and tell us, tell us this. God speaks to us by his voice, through his word, and um, we will explore the gift of prophecy as well. But we don't need prophets like we had in the Old Testament, you know, who came to Saul and told him where to go and find his donkeys and uh, that sort of thing. No, God has given to us the Holy Spirit so we can all hear the voice of God and we can all prophesy. Um, we're told in, in, in Acts 2, it says, your sons and daughters will prophesy. But Paul says, I want you all to prophesy. We're told in 1 Corinthians that we should earnestly desire the gift of prophecy. Before I ever prophesied, I prayed for a year for the gift of prophecy. I heard somebody prophesy, and it made my hair stand on it. And I thought, wow, because it was speaking to me. And I thought, oh, boy, that's cut me to the heart. It'd be good to do that. And I, and I, I realized you need to pray and earnestly desire. And the, when the Bible says earnestly desire, it, it's a real deep gut feeling with everything you've got. Earnestly desire to prophesy. And do that with spiritual gifts. Have you been doing that for these few days? Say, Lord, please teach me to prophesy. And I prayed for a year and before I had my first prophetic word. And when I did receive my first prophetic word, I thought I was going to pass out. I thought I could feel my heart beating and boom, 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 boom. And uh, I thought, wow, I'm not sure I can cope with this. But um, anyway, we survived and we're still going on. I shall tell you about those early days uh, later on. People prophesy when they're carried along by the Holy Spirit. It's not restricted to preaching, although preaching can be prophetic, but prophecies are now a word from God for a situation. We prophesy also according to our faith. Sometimes God only gives the first phrase or the line. It doesn't appear to make sense, and then we carry on. We move in faith. It doesn't all make sense. And I brought words to people which I thought, I don't really understand that, but I'm just going to step out in faith and do it. And as I brought the word, they, they know fully well what it means. And again, I will explore that as we go on. There's a difference between prophecy and prophets. How many have ever bought a prophetic word? Have ever had a prophetic word? <clears throat> How many have ever been blessed by a prophetic word? Well, that's just about everybody. Okay, so there's a difference. In the, in the New Testament, we can all prophesy, so everybody can prophesy, but that doesn't mean to say that you are now a prophet because there's a, there's a clear gifting which is given that there will be some who are prophets, and that's, that's the gift of a person, whereas we can all prophesy. Anyone can prophesy, but it doesn't suddenly make you, you know, the, you know a, a prophet. Now, very often prophets do prophesy and they normally have a track record of years and years and years where, um, you know, they've seen prophetic words which have come to pass, um, you know, over a long sustained period. <clears throat> the gift of prophecy, I want to say this, we need to all earnestly desire the gift of prophecy. Okay, that's a very quick introduction. Very, very quick introduction. Why, therefore, is the gift of prophecy even needed in a church? Why even need it? Why, why even bother? Why even bother? Why even have that? What is the purpose and what is the function of prophecy? The first thing is this. 
is that the, the role of the prophet or the, the prophetic ministry is a foundational ministry in a church which is living and dynamic. Nobody here would buy a house, hopefully, without a foundation. When I lived in Sydney, I saw the builders and they were building on this swamp. And I was so curious, what is this? They were building an old people's <laughs> dwelling on this, this swamp. I thought, I could just see this whole thing disappearing in the swamp. And I said, I went over to the engineer and I said, how are you building on this swamp? He said, oh, we're not building on the swamp. He said, he said, you go through 70 feet and he said, you hit rock. He said, we're building on the rock. And they, they put in 300 piles, which were about a meter in diameter. They went through, and they hit this rock, and then they built a superstructure, and then they built on that. They weren't building on what he called the custard. No, they, they were building on the rock. And um, the prophetic gifting in a church, it is part of the foundation. So it's apostolic, which is the apostolic doctrine, and there are people who are, are church planters, and they have an apostolic ability um, to plant churches and bring the revelation of God's truth to people. There are other prophetic people who have an ability to bring vision and direction to churches. Some churches have um, a foundation which is um, just democracy. People just decide. Well, that's not in the Bible. Some churches just have a, a, a thing which is denominational, where um, the chief bishop decides, um, yeah, well, they need a new fellow up there, why don't you go, you know, and they swap people around. And you think, well, where do you get that in the Bible? And you don't get that in the Bible. Some are just on, on pastoral, pastoral foundation. We've got a nice man, a nice man. Well, you don't find in the church, you know, that it was... It was a nice man was the foundation of the church. No, it was built on apostolic and prophetic vision and revelation, not just by somebody being nice. Now, hopefully, um, apostolic and prophetic people are nice, <laughs> but um, <clears throat> just because you're a nice person doesn't mean to say that that is the um, foundational gift. The prophetic will convey the purposes of God. So, for example, when, when you get the Valley of Dry Bones... It was the prophet who came along. Israel were like a nation which were just dry bones. And he, he has this vision of dry bones. And uh, as he prophesied, he could see the bones coming together, bone by bone, ligament on ligament. And then breath came into these bones. Then they all assembled into a mighty army. Then they became powerful and moved forward. And God was saying, at the moment, you're like a... Um, like a bag of bones, but I'm going to turn you into a vibrant army. And uh, suddenly it brought hope and life. I remember hearing Bryn Jones preach year, years ago on, on the church. It was like a prophetic word of what the church should be. The only thing I'd ever grown up in was going to a, a service. You sang four hymns. Somebody gave a bit of a boring talk, and then you went home, and you thought that was church. But suddenly, this guy spelt out church in such a way that it gripped me, and I thought, I've got to give my life to this. This is such an important thing in our nation, and I'm glad to say that we've got restoration churches um, all over the land, and this is one of them. <clears throat> so, praise God. So, it's a foundational ministry. It's also there 
Ephesians 4 gift, it's to prepare people for the works of service. So that the, the role of apostles and prophets is actually to prepare and to equip the people to be all that God wants them to be. It's not so that they come and do the job for you while everybody sits back. No, it's so that they prepare and teach and fashion you so you can do it. <laughs> so my role here is to come to you and to teach on the gift to enable you to do it and to motivate you and to encourage you to do it, not for me to do it for you and you sit back and look. No, no, I, I, I want to get you doing it. I want you, you are the ones with the stories to tell. I thought that was a great story tonight about the eye suddenly being healed up. Amazing story, wasn't it? So I've got some stories to tell you as we go along, but I, I'll, I'll take my time because we've got three evenings. <laughs> it's also to prepare people for what's coming on the church. So like Agabus in the New Testament, Agabus the prophet, he, he prophesied about a famine that was going to come. So it prepared people. There's going to be a famine in the land. He also went up to the Apostle Paul. He took off his belt and then he bound his own hands and he said, this is what's going to happen to you. You're going to be bound and taken, taken away. You're not just going to do what you like. You're going to be led off into captivity. And he was preparing the Apostle Paul for what was actually going to happen to him. And prophetic ministries can do that. I remember Yonggi Chow, years ago, he prophesied that a revival would start in Pensacola and then it would sweep through America. And um, you thought, wow, and... This church, they, they, were, they were gripped with what God was going to do. I'm old enough to remember, I wonder if any of you were here, but, um, years ago, going to Brighton, when New Frontiers was in its early stages, and Paul Cain came to the meeting there. It was a leaders' gathering. Was anybody there? No, I was... The, sorry, somebody? No, I was the only one there. And Paul Cain came, and he didn't really want to be there. He was a bit tired, and um, he was a very, very, very sharp prophet. And I've been in meetings where Paul Cain has, has spelt out people's names, and he's with the detail of their, the spelling of their name, which is a very unusual name. I've, I've known the people. They sat in front of me, and he said, I can see this, this person. He said, I can see their name now. Y-U-L-E, Paul Yule, where are you? And nobody would have known that. And he was sitting right in front of me. And he said, oh, wow, this guy knows, knows a thing or two. Paul came, then came to New Frontiers. And Terry invited him. And he said this. He said, a New Frontiers. He said, you are called to change the expression of Christianity around the world. And then we were just a small group of churches meeting in Sussex. Now... New frontiers have spread all around the world. We've been out to Sydney, and uh, we're going again later this year to the church there, but they're spreading down into Adelaide and other parts of the world. I said to Terry, how many countries are we in now? I don't think he knows. So we've seen Simon goes to Africa, and he uh, <clears throat> sees many, many nations. We, nobody knows, I don't think, how many groups we are affecting now. And uh, I remember Paul Cain saying that. Prophetic ministry, it builds and it encourages and comforts. <clears throat> if ever you think that a prophetic ministry is to pick out people's sins, 
or to tell people off, you've missed it by a hundred miles. Normally what prophetic ministry wants to do is to bring the gold out in people, bring out the very best, and it's to encourage and to build and to strengthen. Anybody can find faults in people. You can find faults in me easily. Any, it, doesn't take, it, doesn't take, it doesn't take a fool to find the faults in people. We can all do that. The thing which we're called to do is to find the gold in people's lives which God has put there and bring that out and encourage them. And uh, when you bring the gold out in people's lives and encourage them, do you know what happens? It actually builds faith in them and they think, oh, I could do that. And it encourages them with faith and they go for it. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. And whatever does not proceed from faith is sin, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. And it's what God wants. He wants us to grow in faith. <clears throat> and the prophetic gifting will always bring encouragement and comfort. And it always wants to bring encouragement and hope and a future, because that is the word of God. Amen? Amen? It's not to put people down. It's not to pick holes in people. No, no, no. It's to build and encourage and strengthen. And that's what we want to do. Can you say amen? Amen. amen. <clears throat> it also brings direction to individuals. I remember being in my, in my office in, uh, in Woking years ago and a guy came to me and he said, uh, he said, Steve, he said, um, I've got a computer business, he said, and I feel that I need to expand. And... Um, I'm thinking of going to Singapore to expand. And while he's saying this, all I can see is written across his head a word. And the word says, uh, well, it was a country. The word says Australia. I didn't tell him that. So he's going on about Singapore and planting Singapore and <laughs> Singapore and how he's thinking of going out there, Singapore. And when he finished, I said to him, why don't you go to Australia? And he, he looked at me as I was crazy. And said, I said, I said, Julian, I just see across your forehead the word Australia. He said, I don't know anybody out there. I said, I know somebody out there. I said, go and see them. And he went out there and had the time of his life. And he, this was 25, 20, over 25 years ago now. And he set up a business. He then moved into Japan. His business grew and grew and grew. He went into Japan, went to America. He went into Brisbane. He went to... He went all over. And, um, and God enlarged his business and enlarged him, and he was a key person. It came because just the one word across his head, Australia. He was going to go to Singapore. <laughs> it creates, the prophetic creates a, an agenda for prayer. I was at uh, Brighton last week, and they'd asked me to speak about a, a vision which God had shown me um, last year, very powerful vision. I, I may share it at some stage with this church. I said to Simon I'd like to do it at some stage, and um, you know, I may do that later on in the year, but it's very, very clear. I saw it, saw it um, in, in a prayer meeting, but I also saw it in the natural as well, and it's, a, it's about a move of God which I believe God has wanted to bring through our churches. And when I shared it, um, one of the elders came up and he said that they went away and he said that they really ended up praying significantly into this because they wanted to see these various things happen. 
So the prophetic actually sets an agenda for prayer. And God speaks to us in prophecy so that we know how to line our prayers up. So if you've ever received a prophetic word, start praying in line with the prophetic word. It's not just so you sit back and say, oh. No, it's so that you know how to pray. It was Daniel, he said, when I perceived in the prophet Jeremiah that the exile was to last 70 years, he then turns to God in prayer. So he realized through reading in the, in the prophecy of Jeremiah, oh, the exile is only meant to last 70 years. How long have we been in exile? Oh, it's coming up 69 years. We need to pray. God, get us out of this. What he was doing, he was lining up his praying with the prophetic word through Jeremiah. When God speaks through a a prophetic word, it's because he wants you to line up your prayers with the word that he's spoken. So don't don't just sit back and say, oh, that's nice, that's interesting. Start lining your praying up with that word that's been spoken. Does that make sense? Okay. It also brings evangelistic breakthrough. It brings breakthrough, which is what we want to hear. That's what the lady was saying earlier about speaking to people. It's great if you can speak to a person and God gives you um, a word. So Jesus spoke to the woman at the well, go and call your husband. She said, I haven't got a husband. No, that's right, you haven't got a husband. The man you live with, you know, you've had five husbands. And then she says, wow. And she ran and she told the whole of Samaria, come and see a man who's told me everything I've ever done. It was actually one word of knowledge. The man you're living with is not your husband, you know. You've had five husbands. And a one word of knowledge. And suddenly a prophetic word can open up a whole stream of things. When we were living in Sydney, um, I was asked to go and speak in New Zealand and the the taxi came for me early in the morning and it was about five o'clock in the morning that the taxi came. I crawled out of the house feeling a bit bleary-eyed and got in the taxi and I like to sit in the front seat so I can talk to the taxi driver. And literally as we got a hundred yards down the road I felt God say to me this about the taxi driver, he's cheating on his wife. So I thought, oh no, 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 no. So I, um, so I said, uh, I, I said, Lord, I, um, please no, I'm no. I, I'm, and I just felt God just impressing on me. He's cheating on his wife. He's cheating on his wife. So I, this pounding inside of me, he's cheating on his wife. So, and as we were driving along a little bit further, I just turned to this taxi driver and I said, So are you cheating on your wife then? And he looked at me, nearly lost control of the car, and he, and he said, he said, Yeah. How did you know? And I said, I said, I'm pastor of a church. I said, God has just spoken to me and shown me you're in this relationship. And so he then started to repent like I've never known. He started to tell me his son was going to a Catholic college and, you know, and he was doing this and doing that. And he was trying to get his life in order. I ended up by leading him to the Lord, praying for him and leading him to the Lord. And he said he'd be with me in the church on the Sunday. Um, I wasn't there on the Sunday, so whether he came or not, I, I don't know. Um, I was in New Zealand. But he promised to go to our, our church. And words of knowledge that God can give any one of us 
can suddenly open a door for people to get saved into the kingdom of God. And you do not have to be a big shot at this sort of stuff. It's for anybody, anybody. When I, I was at Southampton University doing um, engineering, I just got saved, and I came home for study at Christmas time and getting ready for my exams and what have you, my first lot of exams. And I felt God speak to me and just say, why don't you just phone people up and tell them about me? So I, I was, I thought, no, no, I'm not doing that. And I, I backed away and I, I just felt God just say, phone people up and tell them about me. I said, well, how will I know the numbers? And I felt as though the Holy Spirit said, I will give you the numbers. Anyway, I dismissed it, and about half an hour later, I came downstairs to make a cup of tea, and in those days, we had the telephone in the hallway, not in your back pocket, and I walked past the telephone, which seemed about three meters wide, you know, and I walked around this thing, and a number immediately came into my head, doop, 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 and so I dialed this number, and um, I said to this person, uh, hello, I'm uh, just, just, just uh, phone, phoning people up to um, ask them what they think about Jesus. And this, this girl said, he's my Lord and Saviour. I said, what? <laughs> <clears throat> and um, so she told me she was a Christian and a Christian nurse, and she, I told her I'd just become a Christian, was phoning people up to ask them what they think about Jesus. And then she said, oh, let me, let me encourage you in this ministry of yours. I thought, ministry of mine? No, <laughs> no, no. Anyway, the next day, I felt God say, do it again. And I thought, oh, help, all right, then I'll do it again. So this number immediately came to mind. And I've only been a Christian six months. So it's, this is not big shot stuff. And I'm no big shot. Never have been, never likely to be. It's, so it's, it's, this, is, this is a very young Christian, so I dialed this number, zoop, 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 zoop. And a guy answered the phone. I said, hello, I said, um, my name's Steve, I'm just phoning people up to ask them what they think about Jesus. And he said to me this, he said, uh, he said, I don't believe it. He said, I don't believe it. He said, my wife has just left me, walked out on me. He said, I'm in absolute despair. He said, I've just prayed the first prayer in my life. God, if I can have my wife back, I'll give my life to you. He said, the next minute, the phone rings, and somebody asked me what I think about Jesus. I led him to the Lord over the phone, and he was with me in church on the Sunday morning, on the Sunday evening, rather. Now, this stuff, if we were doing this all the time, we'd see Hailsham take off. If we all did that, if every Christian led someone to the Lord once a year, we'd see revival take place in our nation. But somehow we sit back and think, oh, well, it's the pastor's job or someone else's job. Well, I'm not like that. No, you are like it because you've enrolled to be a Christian. And anyone who's a Christian has the Holy Spirit. And anyone who has the Holy Spirit can hear the voice of God. And anyone who can hear the voice of God needs to obey God and walk in obedience as he prompts. And as they do, things open up. You think, well, I'm scared stiff. Join the club. We all are. What happens if they don't like me? What happens if they don't like you? They didn't like Jesus. A lot of them. They crucified him. 
That's what we're promised. Take up your cross and follow me. So if you're not prepared for that, then we're in the wrong deal because we're called to take up our cross every day and follow. Amen? It brings evangelistic breakthrough. It's Jesus who said to Nathaniel, I saw you sitting under the fig tree. And Nathaniel said, Rabbi, you're the son of God. He called Zacchaeus up a tree, knew his name. Zacchaeus, how did he know his name? Just called his name, called him down by name. Now, last church in, or our church in Woking, a guy got up and he said that um, there's a lady here tonight. You're here as a visitor. You've got this medical condition, and this is your name, Jane. Not a person moved. He sat down looking very embarrassed and awkward. A lady came forward at the end. <laughs> she was a visitor, she had that medical condition. Her name was Jane, and she was so gripped, she was scared stiff to move. She got saved, her husband got saved, and others in her family got saved, all because of one word of knowledge. We need to step out, guys. We need to step out more and more and more. Amen? It lifts expectation for signs and wonders. It's the prophetic. It was Moses who lifted expectation for God's provision for manna, quails, water from the rock. Elijah brought expectation of salvation, deliverance. It also lifts worship to higher levels. Prophetic people, by the way, they love to worship. And we're told in Revelation 19.10, it's the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. There's a, a, a dimension where they're worshipping a God. And prophetic people love to worship and enjoy God because often in those settings, that's where you hear the Holy Spirit speak and say, do this or do that or go and speak to somebody. Or The prophetic anointing brings a sense of the presence of God. The prophetic also provides insight into counseling situations. <laughs> when I first went to Heathfield many, many, many years ago, I was 26, and the pastor, he, he wanted to take me into some situations, and um, he said, I'm going to take you into a counseling situation. I said, okay. And we listened. We sat down and we listened to this person. I knew what he was going to do. We listened for about half an hour, and I thought, he hasn't touched the issue. I know he hasn't. I thought, I know what he's going to do. He's just going to read a psalm and then just pray and send this, la this lady on her way. And um, all of a sudden, he, he said, I'm just going to read you a psalm. And he read a psalm. He said, I'm just going to pray, and then we're, we're finished. And so I, I said, um, do you mind if I say something? So he looked at me. He said, no, you say what you like. <clears throat> so I just looked at this lady and I said, do you find this an issue in your life? At that moment, it looked as though she'd been split open with an axe. But for me, it was, it, was, it was glaringly obvious and he hadn't seen it. And suddenly the whole thing opened up and he looked at me and thought, where did you get that from? But for me, it was, it was glaringly obvious. And he used to take me into lots of other counselling situations. <clears throat> but it can suddenly open situations up. Some people don't need a there, there 
on their, you know, pat on the back are there, their comforting words. Sometimes people need a prophet. Stop doing it. Start tithing. Start obey God in baptism. Stop watching those movies late at night or whatever it is, you know. God wants to bring you forth in all that he's got and this is a hindrance to you. He's got much more. I can see some people here tonight who are depressed. You've just been struggling since Christmas but just with depression. God wants, God wants to touch you and uh, part of it is because of the lifestyle that you've been adopting and some of the programs that you've been watching on the TV and it, it, in the end you just, you just feel depressed by it how I feel often when I've seen the news. I feel, <laughs> feel so depressed. <clears throat> I want to encourage you, maybe read some healthy books. or We want to pray and see you come forth in all that God's got for you, not be gripped by depression. It opens up the prophetic teaching and the word of God. It confirms the word of God. I was invited when I was at Bible college to go and speak at a, a big Anglican church where there'd been revival years ago under the Jeffreys brothers, a place called Pip and Jay. And I was, I was nervous about speaking in this church. And just before I got up to speak, one of the elders got up and he prophesied. And it was as though he'd taken all of my notes and gone through the whole lot and prophesied my sermon. And I was so encouraged by the time he finished, I couldn't wait to get going. And I've been in situations in churches. I remember the last time I went to Uckfield and preached there, and one of the elders said, he said, I, he said, I wasn't going to read this, but he said, but I, just, I just feel that I have to read this psalm. And he got up and he read this psalm, and it was exactly what God had told me to speak on. Now, when I told the people that, they went, ooh. <laughs> there was a sense by the mouth of two or three witnesses. And um, we learn. And... What an encouragement it would be on a Sunday morning if you prayed and brought a prophetic word which was right in line with what was going to be preached on. Boy, wouldn't that have an effect. Amen? You can do that. I can do that. It's a tremendous encouragement to those who preach. Amen? Okay, we're going to be interactive now. What I want to do, <clears throat> I want to teach you, and maybe it's, it won't be teaching all of you, but... Um, It'd be a refresher for some of you. I want to teach you one of the most important things I've ever learnt in my Christian life. Okay? I want you to turn with me to Psalm 1. When, I, when I'd been to Bible college for two years, we had Old Testament history, philosophy, religion, New Testament, Greek, all the rest of it. We've had two years. But um, I found at Bible College that this, I found nobody ever taught me, nobody ever taught me how to pray. And these were the leaders. And nobody ever taught me, and this is what we're going to get into tonight, is how to meditate in the Word of God and to hear God speak to me, myself. And that's what we're going to learn tonight. I would say that that is the key thing that I have learnt, and it is where um, any prophetic ministry has its foundation, is in the Word, God first of all speaking to you, so you learn to hear His voice. So we're going to do this... Can I swap you on to that? Quickly? 
Okay. Can I put this on a stand? Let's yes. just let's just put it on a stand. This one. Oh, is that better? Okay. Sorry, is that better? Oh, you should have jumped in earlier and you can do whatever you like, I don't mind. Okay, so what, so what I want to do, I want this to be interactive and I want you all to come at me and then, uh, then I'm going to give you an exercise. We're going to, and I want you to tell me how, what God is saying to you tonight. Okay, so this is, this is you. You're not needed, Chris, but thanks very much. <laughs> You're needed, but not the mic. He <laughs> said, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of the sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he what? On his law he what? When does he meditate? When? What does it mean to meditate? Chew over? What is the difference between um, transcendental meditation and Bible meditation? Sorry? One works. <laughs> okay, so one empties your mind. You just empty your mind and allow any thoughts or whatever. I've never done it just to come in. We're not talking about that. We're talking about Bible meditation. So Bible meditation is when you allow the Word of God to fill your mind. So you get the Word of God and you get that in your mind. Okay? And how often do you do it? How often? So what does that mean in practical terms? When you wake up and when you... Does the enemy ever bombard your mind? Whoever here has negative thoughts? Whoever has negative thoughts about themselves? Whoever has fears? Whoever has anxieties and worries? Yeah, we all do. And it's, it's like lies of the enemy coming at us. And this is telling us that what we've got to do, we've got to put in our mind day and night the Word of God. We've got to meditate in it. So what does it mean to meditate? Does it mean just to read it? What does it mean? Someone tell me what it means to meditate. To read it and to think about it? Sorry? Sorry? To focus on it, to apply it, to pray into it. Sorry, I can't hear. I still can't hear, sorry. Deciphering the Word of God, okay, to work out what it means. To allow the Holy Spirit to help you understand it, that's good. To digest it. Sorry. Engage to study it. Okay, all those things are good. Um, 
when a cow chews the cud, it, it doesn't just chew it and gulp it down. It, it, chew, it chews and chews and chews and mulches it around. And I've never been a cow, but I'm just assuming that um, this is what they do. You chew, it, you chew the cud over and over and over again and, and, until it works through. And that's what we're doing with the Word of God. We're allowing it to go round and round and round in our minds. So what is a person like who does this? So what is a person like? <clears throat> They're like a what? So what's a, okay, so what's a tree like? When you think about a tree, what do you think about? Firmly rooted. Strong. Growing. Fruitful. Sorry? Multiplies. A willow? Like, okay, so this one is by water. So what does that tell you? It's by the water. It's drinking. So what's it drinking from? So how is a Christian like a tree drinking by a stream? Do we have to go and sit by the stream and... Sorry? Okay, so we're drinking from the water of life. So how do we drink from the water of life? Being grafted in. Spending time with God, okay. Sorry? Worship, yeah. How does it, right, how does this tell us that we do it? Right, by meditating in the Word of God. We meditate, oh, a person who meditates in the Word of God is like that. So what is this tree like then? It tells us they are, they're, they're, what, tell me any characteristics about this tree that you can see in this passage. It's not just any tree. What, is it a dead tree? So what is it? Tell me any characteristics about this tree. It bears fruit. It's healthy. It flourishes. It's reliable. <clears throat> it does not wither. What does that mean? It doesn't wither. Why would a tree wither? Sorry? But why would it be dying? Okay, it's not drinking. Do Christians ever die because they don't drink? Ah. Do Christians ever get a bit uh, depressed because they don't meditate in the Word of God? They, they meditate in other stuff? Oh. Do Christians ever dry up because they don't allow their roots to go into the river? So how do they allow their roots to go into the river? By what? Meditating on what? Ah. And how often do they meditate on the Word of God? Oh. Oh, I see. Oh, I see. They don't wither. What, what else is this tree like? <clears throat> it does not wither. What doesn't wither on this tree? This leaf. What does that speak to you about, a tree? What would you, a tree which has leaves? 
Okay, shade. Sorry? It's fruitful, it's alive. Healing. Brings light. It does what? It's healthy. All of these things. So, and, and so a person who meditates in the Word of God is going to be like that. What else happens to a person who meditates in the Word of God? They are like a tree. What else? It does what? It prospers. In what does it prosper? In what? Say it again. Who would like to be prosperous? And by the way, define prosperity as being in the will of God rather than just make, driving a Rolls Royce, all right? <clears throat> Who would like to prosper in the will of God and prosper? Who would like to live a, that sort of Christian life? So how are we going to do it? Meditating in the Word of God day and night which is quick, it's a bit different just to doing a quick sort of 10-minute do-me-read for the day. What we need to do, and this is what we need to do very clearly, is when we come to the Word of God, we need to pray and say, Lord, please speak to me through your Word. Let the Holy Spirit speak to, speak to me. This is my Bible. So I can have a pen with me. And when I'm reading, I'm, this morning I'm reading, I'll tell you what I've been reading recently. I've been reading and it's been hard work. I've been reading through the end of Jeremiah. So I've gone from chapter 40 to 49 and chapter 49. You thought, oh my word. And she's saying, this is, this is the killer. But I have to ask God to speak to me. And right in the middle there's a phrase which, which, which I can show you here and now which God spoke to me this morning, but I won't. I could show you just one line, one phrase, and that line and that phrase has stayed with me. Fear not. Yesterday, a word, fear not, for I am with you. I, it was a word that I was to bring to somebody else as well, as well as for myself. Fear not, for I am with you. How many have ever been afraid of anything? Yeah. Fear not, for I am with you. And God, will, God wants to... As we read through, ask the Holy Spirit to take one line or one phrase or one section of the Word of God and lift it out so it speaks to you for your life. And then we start to learn to, to hear the voice of God on a daily basis in our life because we're meditating in the Word of God day and night. Amen? No one ever taught me that at Bible college. They taught me Greek, which I still struggle with. <laughs> they taught me philosophy of religion. They taught me Old Testament. They never taught me how to pray. Terry Virgo taught me how to pray. When I went with him on my first trip, I went to South Africa. I got to South Africa. He invited me to go with him. We had a mission. He said, I will come into your bedroom in the morning after we've had breakfast at 9 o'clock. He said, well, we'll pray from 9 to 1 o'clock. 9, 10, 11, 12, 1. Four hours with Terry Virgo just in my bedroom praying. 
I thought, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> and I prayed everything I could think of in about three minutes. Pray for the world, pray for my wife, pray for world revival, pray for God to speak. I looked at my watch and three minutes had gone by. I thought, this is going to be a long morning. So I just listened to Terry and then I started to join in with how he was praying and enjoying God. Nobody ever taught me to pray. If you struggle with prayer, get with somebody who knows how to pray or can pray and just say, look, I just want to join you. To be honest, I'm not very good at it. Just join in. And with the Word of God, nobody ever taught me how to meditate. When I, when I left Bible college, I went on a Bible meditation course, and it was the best thing I've ever done. I keep a notebook, I underline, I, you can look at my Bible, I can un underline things, I highlight things, words which God has spoken to me today, which I can tell you now, because I've been meditating and thinking through. And if we do it, what are we going to be like? A tree. What sort of a tree? Healthy tree, drinking water. Who wants to be like that tree? And as we learn to do that, we learn to hear the voice of God. As we learn to hear the voice of God, so we therefore start to grow and develop in prophetic gifting because we're, we're used to hearing God speak. So what I'm going to do now is this. I want you to pray and I want you to I want you to say, God, speak to me. Holy Spirit, speak to me through your word now. And the Holy Spirit's going to speak to you, not to talk to the person next to you. No one's to talk to anyone. It's just you asking the Holy Spirit, speak to me. And I want you to, I want you to read Jeremiah chapter 17. And I want you to quietly read Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 7 and verse 8. And I want you to ask the Holy Spirit what he is saying to you today, right now. Is everybody okay with that? Everybody understands Jeremiah 17, verse 7 and verse 8. And you can link that in if you want to with the passage we've already read is Psalm 1. Okay. Who wants to share with us what they feel the Holy Spirit saying to them? personally. Don't all rush at once. Yes, my friend. Um, so the line that came to me was, and does not fear when the heat comes. Okay. And I've underlined the word not lots of times. Um, and then I got a sense that it doesn't mean literally, as it refers to here in a drought, but around faith and life which then led me to rejoice in the Lord, which then led me back to the verse, whose trust is the Lord. And then um, it sort of worked its way backwards because then it points to the leaves that said, the leaves that remain green, as in they are already green, yeah. 
You don't have to make them green. They are already green. And you should put your trust and your faith in the Lord for love and life. What, what is your name? David. David, good name. Now, now, Dave, now, David, what do you feel that the Holy Spirit is saying to you through that? To you personally? To not be so fearful in my Christian walk. Right. Spot on. So what are you going to do about that? <laughs> Who's saying that to you? So I'm going to trust in the Lord because right. that is what he's saying to me. Yes. Now where's that come from? Who's told you that? That's not me. Right. It's God the Holy Spirit speaking to you, to your heart. Excellent. That's great. Well done, David. Who else? Okay. <coughs> We, what, what I'm looking for, we're not looking for sermons for sermons. We're looking to, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Yes, the lady in the purple. It's funny how it's all trust, seems to be trust, but that was the verse that came to me. How many picked up on that trust? Oh boy, this is half the <laughs> church time. You got your next sermon. <laughs> Go on. Um, Something's been happening, and it's been a struggle. Okay. Um, and I felt God was saying to me, yeah, just, you've got to be where I am. I'm trusting. And he took me to the verse um, about leaning not on your own understanding, but trust me. And I think what he was saying to me is just carry on. Everything will work out in the end. But even though it doesn't look like it's going to happen, continue on, just resting in me, Very because good. it will work out. Now, who's saying that to you? Oh, the Holy Spirit. Right. God, God is saying that to what, me. What, what is your name? Sandra. Sandra. And Sandra, are you going to do that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Hooray. I have. I, I, what I felt was that God would say just, it was like it was underlining it. Yes. Yeah. Stay where you are. Yes. You can't see how it's going to work out. Yes. But I'm, I'm there doing it. So. Excellent, excellent, excellent. You see, that's, that's the Holy Spirit highlighting that in your soul yeah. to get you through tomorrow, the next week, the next month. That's what you've got to do. Well done, well done. How many, go on, what's your name? Yeah? I'm Rose. Rose? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, lovely Rose, go on. And so I've, over the last probably 18 months I've had not ill health but I've had accidents I've fallen over and yeah. I, my, I've had uh, fractures in my spine and of late I've, I've had this is the fifth week, week that I haven't had a voice um, but I trust God and it was trust that jumped out at me and it, it made me cry because I do trust God um, I don't know why I've had this blip in my health, but I really trust God will bring me through. And he often speaks to me in songs uh, or through songs. And the song I got was, my God is so big, so strong and mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. My God is so big, and I've lost it. My, sorry. <clears throat> so mighty, there's nothing that he cannot, he cannot do. do. Yeah, sorry, fine. I've lost the words now. Well done. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. 
Good. That's the lady, person in the blue at the back. Yeah? Um, well, the first thing that jumped out at me was uh, the leaves and how they were green and how they were blossoming. Um, and then I just suddenly had a random verse pop to my mind, uh, Habakkuk uh, 3, verse 17 and, and 18. And it says, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fa fail, and the fields yield, yield no food, and the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stools, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take jo joy in the God of my salvation. So I was just reminded that we, um, of the faith that we should have in God. Okay, and what's your name? Uh, Neo. Leon. Neo, as in Nehemiah. Oh, Neo, okay. Excellent, well done. And uh, that's a great verse from Habakkuk. Well done, my friend. Yes, this lady? Um, I, uh, mine was like an extension of what the Lord revealed to me on Sunday. I have so many things going on and I have to make some decisions and things like that. And um, the Lord showed me, he said, um, I know what's the best thing for you, so you just have to trust me. That was on Sunday. And then we've read this and um, my eyes just stuck on verse seven, uh, on uh, blessed are those who trust in the Lord and uh, whose hope is in the Lord. And so for me, it said, um, if you do those two things, all the goodness in verses eight will just, all the goodness in verses eight are a given. If you, if you trust in the Lord and have your hope in the Lord, all the goodness in the verse eight will come to you. Excellent. So yeah, that Excellent. was what I got. And what's your name? Anita. Anita. And Anita, are you going to do that? I already am because uh, the situations I'm in are quite difficult, but I just have to trust in the Lord. Yeah. Wonderful. And that's God's answer yeah. to you, isn't Amen. it? Wonderful. That's brilliant. Brilliant. Excellent. Excellent. Everyone gone quiet. Thanks. Um, yes, the one that came out to me was, was um, verse 8. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends its roots by the stream and God immediately gave me the picture of a tree in my garden that's it's a very small weeping tree that was planted near a pond in the garden the pond got a leak from various dogs I've had going into it and their claws on the on the lining and um, yeah the tree what well, basically the tree ended up I hadn't realized that it was it was sort of tapping so much into the pond because, I mean, now, if you looked at it, it used to be upright. It is now horizontal because it was just moving towards the water. Right. And it just, you know, it just made, spoke to me that, um, yeah, how determined a, a tree is to actually get that water. It doesn't think, oh, gosh, there's no water. Either no. wait for the water to come to it or... Um, yes. or sort of think, oh, well, I'll give up. There's yeah. no water. It actually strives to get to that water. Okay. And it just made me realise that, yeah, times when I felt dry and, and you know, God showed me, and he showed me sort of recently, to actually keep pressing nearer. Excellent. Because Excellent. we can't just wait for it all to come to very us. Very good. Yeah. Very that's, good. That's, what it said that's very me. good. Mm. It's very good. 
And are you, what's your name? Philippa. Philippa. Are you going to do that, Philippa? Oh, yeah. You are. Well done, Philippa. We have one more. Let's have a, let's have a guy. We've had this gentleman here. Oh, yeah, the thing that spoke to me most was the last verse. Um, because, yeah, I feel that I've been trusting the Lord for a long time yeah. and that my trust is the Lord. And, and as I was reading through and contemplating, I was thinking, yeah, I, I feel I'm a bit like this, you know, that I, I'm not that anxious, I'm not anxious, I, I don't fear. But when it got to the last verse, it says, does not cease to bear fruit. And I don't see myself bearing fruit. So if that's the case, then I'm not trusting in the Lord like you ought to be. And I'm, my trust isn't the Lord, as it says. So there's something I have to do to trust more in the Lord okay. than I have been doing because I'm not bearing fruit. I would say you probably don't always know um, how much fruit you're bearing. Yeah, maybe, maybe others would need to speak of whether they, you're bearing fruit or not. Um, okay because you don't always see it in your own life, but others do see that. Okay. But well done, that's, that's very good. Thank you. Anyone else itching to say something? Go on. Okay, he's been a, so you're bearing fruit there. Is someone going over here? Come on. Um, yeah, when I, when I was reading it, um, it was the trust and the um, the consistency. You know, there's no change when the heat comes. And I was thinking, Lord, what is this? What is this you're saying? And then I suddenly realised there was a song, uh, one of the psalms, playing in my heart, and is you love the Lord with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul. Yeah. When you sit, when you rise, and when you lie down. And I felt a pull, a tug on my heart. And just the desire of the Father looking at me, wanting me to just give him that love, like when I was first saved, just to really trust him with my heart. Okay, so you're going to do that? God willing. Yeah, okay. So all I'm doing here is, is just wanting you to hear the Holy Spirit speak to you and it really should be happening on a daily basis all the time because then what God, those lines and phrases which God gives us, we then meditate on it day and night. And then the next day God will give us something else. We meditate on that. And as we do that, we start to learn to hear regularly the voice of God. So when we go into the supermarket and we hear the prompting of the Spirit speak to that lady, speak to that man, we don't back off. We're, 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 lear we're learning all the time just to hear the Holy Spirit speaking into our soul. So we never learn to prophesy all over the place if we, if we don't, first of all, learn to hear God speak to us in our own soul. So sorry if it was um, a little bit elementary for some of you, but for me it was one of the most foundational things I've ever learned is to meditate in the Word of God. <laughs> I started 40 years ago, and um, I've still still doing that each day and and God has to speak to me quite often sometimes the same things I have to hear again and again because I'm I'm a bit thick and uh, it takes me a long time to get hold of things and 
has to say the same things. Next time when we meet, I'm going to talk about different ways in which God speaks, and we're going to get you actually prophesying to one another and uh, doing some more interactive things. Well done. Thank you very much. God bless. Amen.